to a bonus episode of College Basketball Madness, the College Hoops podcast from USA Today Sports. I'm Nicole Auerbach, National College Hoops reporter. I'm joined by my colleague, Dan Wolken, who uh, also covered the national championship game with me. And we're both certainly sleep deprived. We are recording this uh, midday on Tuesday. I believe it's Tuesday. Um, I was so sleep deprived, I slept through my alarm and missed my flight. So I am coming at you live from the Houston airport. Dan is already home in Atlanta. Dan, uh, now that it's been a few hours, I mean, wh- what? how do you describe that game and where do you think it ranks among the great championship games? Well, if you're just comparing it to championship games, then clearly uh, it's got to be number one. Now, some people will argue 83 I'll admit I was three years old when that game was played. You mean you don't Um, remember every detail? So I I, I can't say I remember that game, but I have watched it. Um, And I I think you can go back through, you know, the 80s, sort of the golden age of college basketball. I mean, some of the players, you know, who were in these championship games are incredible. You know, North Carolina when they won in 82 and, you know, Jordan hits the shot down in New Orleans – um, you know, and I mean, you're talking about players like, you know, James Worthy and, um, you know, you had, uh, the Magic Johnson, uh, Larry Bird. Um, so there's, there's been, you know, great moments with great players, but I just think that when you have a walk-off three-pointer to win a championship, um, after the Marcus Page three-pointer, uh, whatever else in the game happened, um, I don't want to say it's irrelevant. It was a really good game all the way through. But when that ending, I think, puts it at number one, you know, maybe the best college basketball game ever played. And so how did you describe what happened? You know, I I don't know. Like, it's just, you know, I would say early in the game, it it did sort of have that magical feel to, to what was going on, like, you know, the way the teams were playing, it was going back and forth. They were kind of throwing haymakers. You know, North Carolina ma- shooting crazy percentage from the three-point line early, which they don't normally do. Um, Villanova doing what they do and staying hot after what they did in the semifinals. Like, it just, from the very beginning, it looked like one of those games that it, it could be, you know, epic. And, and it lived up to that and more. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, it was from the start, like the things that we were not expecting to see happen. Like, I think in the first half, um, Villanova outscored Carolina in the paint. And Carolina was shooting like 30% better from beyond the arc. And those were the exact opposites of what we had all been expecting, depending on like these teams' strengths. But it was was great. I mean, there was certainly, I think, I, I was sitting right behind Roy Williams in the North Carolina bench. So, perhaps that was that uh colors this a bit but there was some frustration with officiating um and some of the ways some of the strings of fouls or the types of fouls that were getting called but that you know isn't even the storyline the day later because of the incredible finish and I cannot still cannot get over Marcus Page's shot I have seen photos I have watched the video over and over and I do not understand how a human being is able to take and make that shot and that was on a string of like he had just he had been carrying them that that last stretch of the game, but that one shot I, I thought for sure we were headed to overtime, and 
and to come back and and you know that Villanova called a timeout and according to you know everyone in that huddle it wasn't even to draw they knew what play they were going to have because they said you know it's four seconds left we have our play it's called Nova um Archdiacono the first was supposed to he was supposed to drive or he was supposed to create and take the shot uh Christian was the the last resort on that play because usually because they also had Josh Hart was screening for um Phil Booth so he screened for him, and that was supposed to be the second option. But then, obviously, Chris Jenkins unguarded, um, you know, is yelling arch, 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 gets the ball, and just hits a shot into history. And it was so unbelievable, the two shots back-to-back. So I'm with you. I mean, I can't think of a game that ended on such a high level, two shots that were unbelievable on their own, back-to-back, um, you know, so so what I'm curious is because I I spent the night following Villanova, and um, you know my the previous podcast that's already posted, you know I had a conversation with Jay Wright basically at like 2 a.m. Um, and so so we covered you know some Villanova, but you were in the North Carolina locker room, and I'm wondering how exactly they processed that ending. Well, I'll say first of all, give their players a lot of credit because. Um, I've been in a lot of losing locker rooms in the NCAA tournament after championship games, um, after horrifying losses uh, in in those kinds of games, and they're never easy. And there's always a sense of um, you know regret, and you know some people just um, withdraw. Um, they don't want to talk about it. They'd rather not answer the questions. And I totally understand that. Um, I probably wouldn't deal with it that well myself if I were in that position. But I give those players a lot of credit because they they sat in there, they answered every question, they gave thoughtful answers. Um, they uh, it, it was obviously hard for them. They were crushed about what had happened. They really felt like once the Marcus Page shot went in, like yeah. that that was their game. You know, um, if if that game goes into overtime, I think most people would have bet a lot of money that North Carolina would win it in overtime just because, you know, like I saw it with Memphis in 2008 when Mario Chalmers hits that shot to send that game to overtime. You're just sort of shell-shocked that you gave the championship away. It's hard to go into an overtime and and win. So, you know, they they go from thinking um, this game is theirs to total devastation and they were still able to talk about it. Um, and and this is everyone. I mean, they, they were obviously, a lot of them were crying. And there was a lot of emotion. And, um, you know, I, I mean, Justin Jackson, he was barely above a whisper. Um, but they all, they all answered the questions. They all got the same questions over and over again. Because, you know, the way it works in these locker rooms, the reporters, you know, they go to one guy and then the next guy and then the next guy. So they, they end up answering the same question. Uh, which I'm sure is frustrating, and they just want to get out of there. Um, but it, it was as classy um, a situation as as you could have under those circumstances, and you know it was just um, you yeah, know it was just brutal I, for them. I, I, you know, from what you wrote and and our colleague Chris Corman, you know, I certainly understood and and would have expected that Marcus Page was, you know, so eloquent and coherent and and thoughtful um which he has always been his entire career which is why he was one of my favorite players to cover but um you know it was just 
it, it was such a fascinating game from a storyline standpoint that if Marcus Page, who had struggled all year, had been injured, been injured, played through injury last year, um, you know, if that was the guy that carried them to a championship, you know, it, it, it was so much going on in those final minutes. Um, very difficult on deadline, I will say. <laughs> um, I had, uh, you know, that's that's never fun for sports writers, and that's why I really, I mean, I had thought and I tweeted and I assumed we were headed to overtime. Um, so it's sort of, it was just, I really can't explain what it was like to be at that game, but I do feel like it was, I it was like a privilege to get to see that game live and to watch that ending and to be on the court, you know, moments after you know a, the, a fantastic legendary whatever you want to use the words to describe Chris Jenkins shot um and so so I thought it was I thought it was fantastic I also thought it was kind of the perfect ending to the NCAA tournament which I mean you were mostly in football mode but the regular season was all over the place um there were no dominant teams really I mean Villanova and North Carolina both were uh, number one in the polls at various points. Carolina was preseason number one, but they were inconsistent and they had injuries. Uh, well, not Villanova, but there was just, you know, we, we felt like there wasn't a great team. And I think by the end of the tournament, which also featured a bunch of upsets and, you know, the Middle Tennessee States, you, you saw a bunch of them. You saw a bunch of the crazy finishes, the Middle Tennessee States, Syracuse comeback on Virginia and all sorts of craziness um, that it did seem like we had the two best uh, a well, all well-rounded, hottest teams, two great teams, regardless of the outcome, um, playing for a championship game. And, and I was just thrilled that it was a close game after those blowouts in the Final Four. But I think it was, it was beyond what I was expecting for a championship game. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we can get prisoner of the moment. Um, I always try to guard against this, uh, especially uh, the last couple of years, it seems like I've been at uh, a, a pretty – amazing number of things uh, you know i when you talk about feeling fortunate you know some of the things i've seen just the last few years you know whether it was you know the kick six um you know or uh, had michigan state uh, come back at michigan this year yeah the 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 michigan state michigan crazy finish um you know american pharaoh winning the triple crown uh, was there for that to cover it, you know? And you leave all these events thinking, "Wow, I just saw the greatest sporting event I'll ever see." Um, and then, you know, time passes and there's more perspective, and uh, you realize, you know, maybe it's it's not. But I, I certainly leave that last night um, thinking it's if it's not the coolest sports moment i've seen it's it, boy it's right yeah, up there yeah, in the top three really unfair by the way you have seen way too many cool yeah rj hunter, RJ hunter uh, last year when he slid off the chair and oh man i've seen some stuff <laughs> i've seen like, some stuff well i was gonna say buy a lottery ticket i think you need to watch somebody else buy a lottery ticket because apparently you're very good at watching exciting things happen <laughs> um that's pretty cool. And and I wonder, you know, what 
we, we've had this conversation a few times this past week about the formula, you, you, the way you like to pick brackets or think about, you know, championship teams or teams with pros. And this is a Villanova team that may make history as a team that doesn't have a, anyone. I mean, we don't know yet because there's some underclassmen, but who may not have a first round draft pick on that roster. Does, what do you make of that as a championship winning team and, and kind of your philosophy of always having at least, you know, was it two, at least two pros? Well, it used to be three. I mean, that was the thing is you, you could go back um, in time and it was like you had to have three pros. And then you people started looking at it. Now, you know, pros can be pretty loosely defined. I mean, you know, does a guy who, uh, you know, gets drafted and, and is the 13th or 14th man on an NBA bench for a season – um, and then, you know, sort of disappears into into Europe or the D-League. I mean, is that really having an NBA career? You know, does that make – does that qualify? So all this stuff is a little bit um, up for debate in terms of, 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 you know, what would qualify you in that way. But I, I do think that um, generally speaking, uh, we have seen in the last few years that uh, there's less importance on – um, you know, having the future NBA talent, um, I, I think it's certainly preferable if you have it. But um, the environment now, I mean, experience matters. Um, you know, the the way you play as a team. Uh, you know, things that being valued like Villanova. I think you look over the course of their NCAA tournament. It's one yes. of the greatest shooting, ter- you know, performances for an entire tournament. Um, you know, that any team has had. And, you know, that that's not necessarily something that, uh, you know, that, that other champions have, have needed, you know, as their calling card. I, I, I can think of a lot of teams who, who won the title without being good outside shooting teams just because they were overwhelming athletically. They had great big guys. You know, you can go on and on down, down the list. But um, so th- as long as you have maybe some other elements, clearly you don't need to have – you know, two or three pros. And, you know, the UConn team, um, the UConn team that won it two years ago, you know, Shabazz Napier's now the third point guard on a bad NBA team. And, you know, I, DeAndre Daniels never yep. really sniffed it. And Ryan Boatwright has never really sniffed it. And, um, you know, maybe Amita Brima gets there, but looking less likely after the last couple of years. So, you know, that that is that's a team that won a title with, you know, one guy who is probably going to have a, you know, a journeyman type NBA career as a, as a backup and really nobody else. And then you, you put it with this UConn team. I don't know if something's changed or, or what, but um, I think you do have to yeah, start Yeah, you know, at it one thing that, uh, at least with the two teams you're mentioning, UConn and this Villanova team, I, I wrote about it with Villanova, um, and, and I think it's maybe just becoming more of a trend in college basketball in general but it seems like you need two great guards and you know obviously guard play is always important um but but these two teams both had like two point guards and one's playing off the ball um or you know they're kind of going back and forth off that and it's almost like you know it makes me think of you know some of these finishes we've seen like northern iowa um, and and also Virginia having so much trouble just breaking a press, like as if they've never seen that before. And, and that would never have been a problem with, well, you know, UNC had this as well. They had multiple, like, point guard guards. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know what the formula is. And this could also just be, you know, just a, you know, 
part of this season, like next year's freshman class is going to be one of those freshman classes that is like very dominant. And we're going to be talking about freshmen next year. So, you know, maybe it was just also in, in two years when UConn won, if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was that the McDermott year as well? And his senior season. And there, there was a, there was a group of seniors as well. That was kind of like, um, a storyline through the season and, and it, that as it was this year. And so maybe it's like in those off years where there's not an incredible class of freshmen who are really going to like, you know, con- you, you can pencil Kentucky into the final final four or whatever. Maybe those are the years where you have teams like this that kind of, you know, have great college players, but guys who really don't project much at the next level. I don't know. I mean, I, I would be curious to see if this continues. Um, because you're right, it does kind of make you rethink the formula for a championship. Although, obviously, as you mentioned, experience matters. And, and what's interesting about experience on this Villanova team is they didn't have a ton of NCAA tournament experience because they kept losing early in the, or, and they couldn't get through the first weekend. And it was funny because I had them, I covered them in Brooklyn the first weekend. And that was the question, you know, it was like, all right, well, you know, you know, how are you going to get through the first weekend? Okay, you won one game. All right, how about Iowa, blah, blah, blah. And they shot the lights out against Iowa. And, you know, it was Jay Wright just as he came in after the Oklahoma game saying, like, you know, it was one of those nights. And, you know, we've been on the other end of this. And, you know, everything was just falling. And he, he basically said that, like, every game they played this tournament. And that's to speaking to your point about the kind of shooting that they had through the tournament. But it was... I don't even I don't even know I mean I saw so much of them through the tournament and it just you felt like they knew and and they knew they were going to win all these games you know like there was no doubt in their mind even after Marcus Page's shot like that huddle wasn't frantic it wasn't trying to calm anyone down it was literally just to be like this is the play guys remember well look sometimes it's also just true that the better team doesn't win and I think as I watch that game, as you know, while it's going on, um, I I had thought toward the end of the first half, you know, the quality of looks that North Carolina was getting was really good, and it looked like they had started to figure out, you know, how to get easy shots um, against Villanova, and and that's when they opened up the lead. Now, obviously, there was a four point swing at the end of the first half. Um, that that got it down instead of 11 it was seven uh, so that that was a that was big for for Villanova going into the second half you know but even in the second half North Carolina got good shots yeah like the first you know the first part of that half um, they they were right at the rim um, they had layups um, they just missed they missed now now look I, you have to give credit to Villanova because I think their 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 defense is good, and they made North Carolina take some rush shots, you know, and and things like that that may may have caused them to miss. But but they were, you know, they left a lot of points on the board and missed a lot of shots that that frankly I think if they played again, North Carolina would would make. And uh, you know, and that's what put Villanova in position to to take that lead. So, um, but also if they play again, maybe maybe Carolina doesn't shoot that well from three. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you, never know. you know that that absolutely. I mean, they were eleven for seventeen from three, which uh, is totally uncharacteristic for for the way they've played throughout the season. Um, and they needed all of those because uh, you know because of that stretch where they they just didn't shoot well. 
um, from from anywhere in the second half. And uh, it, I'm, I, no one would have ever believed if North Carolina made 11 threes in that championship game that they would lose. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, go go back and rewatch the second half of that game. I think you would find yourself saying, you know, Bryce Johnson, you know, how did he miss that shot? Mm-hmm. You know, Kennedy Meeks, how did he miss that shot? But that's the kind of thing that happens in a one-and-done scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's why there's so much emotion in these games because it's you get one shot. You get one shot at that bunny and you miss it, you know. and Or, like, I mean, even Marcus Page, I feel like he missed a layup right at the end and then he nails that insane three or the three before that or whatever the timeline was because it's all kind of a blur at this point. i got to rewatch the whole game. But um, – it, it, it's just you never know what's going to happen in these games and it's sort of it's it reminded me a little bit like that UConn team making that run and obviously they were a seven seed Villanova was a two and you know that was one of the things Jay Wright pointed out to me because we were kind of talking about the 85 team and because Raleigh Massimino was there and there were so many of them and we've been talking about that all week um, and he was saying, like, they will always have a special place at Villanova because they were the ultimate underdogs. They played the perfect game against Georgetown. And meanwhile, like, Villanova was a two seed. Like, they were a pretty good team all year. Um, you know, people just didn't quite believe that they were a great team, um, which, you know, they, they probably weren't. They had to build to that in the tournament. But their run, like UConn's, it was, you know, built on its defense, which wasn't getting enough credit early on. It was just sort of like, wow, all these other teams are kind of having off nights. And then you realize, no, nah, actually, UConn was, was doing that to them. Um, and so, you know, I do think as, as much as Carolina missed some uncharacteristic plays or baskets or didn't, you know, just kind of dominate the paint as we all thought they would, um, you know, there is there is credit to Villanova and just kind of this this toughness. They were going to make every shot tough, even if um, Carolina was hitting some of them. And then there was that stretch in the middle of the second half. I, I think did, Villanova went up 10 at one point, and it was sort of like it felt like Villanova. It felt yeah, like it was they, 10 with five minutes to go. Yeah, and you felt like Villanova wasn't going to miss, you know. And it was just such a strange game of, like, kind of runs and things like that. Like you were saying, like, the first half was so North Carolina. Um, and then that one little, you know, kind of twist of momentum towards the halftime. And, um, you know, Jay Wright told me about how at halftime, you know, this, this is why you want seniors and experience and all that. But, you know, Ar- Archdiacono and, and Daniel Shefu like, told the coaches not to come in. And they, like, got on their own teammates and, and yelled at them. And then the coaches came in eventually. But it was sort of like, you know, there was halftime adjustments. There was halftime, you know, mental adjustments or whatever as well. But, um yeah, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I'm running in circles on this, but I'm just like really, like, I just feel really lucky to have seen that game, you know, like that's ultimately like my main takeaway. Like when I, when I go home and see my friends, I'm gonna be like, I'm just happy I was there, you know, I, and I tried to write words about it. Well, I think, you know, the other thing about it too is, um, you know, Villanova is they're they're not a a long shot in that. They were a two seed. They've been a good team all year. They've been one of the better programs over the last few years. Um, but they're not, you know, the North Carolina level program. They're not the Duke type of program, Kentucky. They they just don't live in that neighborhood. The the, the national title in in '85, you know, sort of considered, uh, a, you know, the outlier, the fluke, um, the you know the personification of, of one shining moment for yep. a team that, that was an eight seed and, 
ended up winning a, a championship and, and beat one of the great, you know, collections of talent, um, ever. And, uh, you know, and had to shoot 70 something percent to, to do that. Like 78, so, which so, right. So, um, so this is different in that way, but I, but I, I do think that there is an element of, you know, a program that's a little bit more, you know, hard scrabble, you know, from the other side of the tracks, however you want to say it, you know, they're not getting, you know, three McDonald's all Americans every year. And, and for them to beat, uh, Carolina in that spot, um, you know, and, and deny a team that really, you know, they, that had been building toward a championship for, for a couple years, uh, is, is an achievement that, um, you know, I think people will remember, you know, just because like, it's hard. I don't want to compare Villanova to, um, you know, to Butler or something like that. But but anytime one of those schools, you know, gets to a championship game, um, you know, they they always seem to lose. You know, and and I think you go back. I mean, Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin is not is not one of those blue blood programs. You know, they get to the championship game. It looks like you know they have a great chance to win. It slips away from them, and and the Duke talent you know, ultimately, uh, wins out, um, you know, Memphis, Kansas, uh, Memphis is right on the verge, you know, it's Kansas, the blue blood program that, that ends up, you know, hitting the crazy shot and winning the game. Um, you know, you can go on down the line. There's example after example, after example, um, you know, and, and I think this one felt a little bit like, you know, this was, you know, Gordon Hayward, um, for Butler, you know, hitting the shot, like that's what it would have felt like. Yes. The um, shot fell, you know, game. and right. So, um, so I think in that respect, it's one of it's, it's, it's also going to be a very memorable championship. So, um, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, there was also some chatter about just the fact that the big East, the new big East without football, um, made it to the championship game and, and everyone knew Villanova and Georgetown, although Georgetown's not really, um, you know, carrying its weight, would have to be the faces and the 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 rocks of the new Big East. Um, but I don't know if anyone would have predicted that Villanova would win three Big East titles and, and kind of really play re- extremely well in this new league. But what does it mean in the context of sports? Because they're not – I would – when okay, so back up a second. So we when we kind of evaluate – power conferences it's very easy when we're talking college football it's it's the power five um but with with basketball sometimes you run into little issues where like do you still consider you know the big east a power conference in basketball like i think we've written it both ways in stories when we refer to them because they still get you know they're getting like five i think they had five teams in the tournament um you know you had title contenders in xavier and villanova um so it's a little different when we talk about it, like just in a strictly basketball sense or a strictly football sense. But what do you do, do you take anything away from the fact that, you know, a basketball conference team, um, you know, that got, you know, not abandoned, but certainly completely, you know, shifted or veered off in a different direction during the crazy waves of conference realignment, what it means for, for a school like Villanova to win an NCAA tournament so much money involved and, and all of that um, in the current climate of conferences. See, I, I actually have maybe a little different viewpoint on this. I, I don't think that 
that it, that is a major storyline at all, as far as I'm concerned. Because because the way I look at it is, especially in college basketball, what what do conferences really mean? They they all, all a conference really is is that it provides you you know two thirds of your schedule. That's really all a conference is. Um, and I, I guess like Villanova's been a good program for a long time, mm-hmm. and Georgetown's been a good program for a long time, and um, you know Xavier's been a good program for a long time, and uh, I know they weren't in the in the old Big East, but I guess my point, you know Marquette, I mean they they've been they've been good for for forever. So I guess my point is like I don't know why someone would have thought that because these schools you know c- kind of went off on their own that all of a sudden they wouldn't be relevant. Um, anymore in basketball. I thought the bigger issue with them was their TV contract. Yeah. Um, not in the amount of money they they got a lot of money. It's just Exposure. you know being on being on FS1 uh, is not ESPN, and so I, I I wondered how that long term would work out for them in terms of you know recruiting, and in terms of um, you know get just sort of getting the benefit of the doubt. You know, would people really watch their games? Um, and I still think those questions, maybe long term, have not necessarily been answered because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch very many Villanova games this year. Right. Um, and and it's because they weren't, you know, they weren't, um, you know, so you, you stumble across uh, games on ESPN because you're just always flipping to ESPN, uh, uh, you know, on a Wednesday night. That so. I so I, I guess my here. Let me let me just let me just sum it up this way. Um, I mean, UConn won the championship in 2014, coming out of the American, mm-hmm. um, which is not, which is, which is definitely not considered a power conference in football, um, but has good basketball programs. So, I, I guess I, I am always more concerned in basketball, and especially this tournament structure, where it's so, it's it's a very democratic way to decide a championship, um, and and you've seen, you know, you've seen uh, teams and programs. You know, Gonzaga plays in the West Coast Conference, and like they got a one seed and a two seed. Um, So I, I guess to me that story just doesn't resonate as much. So I actually agree with you. Um, I was kind of posing that as the here's the narrative. What are your thoughts? Um, People make I think they make it out to be too big of a deal. They're they're saying that you know maybe Big East schools, the gap will widen. You know. Um, but in terms of resources and uh, cost of attendance stipends and things like that, those schools are doing those. They have great resources. They, are, if you're a basketball centric program, do you know how it's 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 a smaller amount of student athletes and it's a smaller amount of amenities and resources and you need a practice facility. Um, but it's not like football where you know like the amount of money that's important to like Oregon and how many different buildings they have and how many pieces of equipment like it's not like that and I think that that sort of gets lost in the narrative of well even if the gap's not widening now it's going to continue to widen so like good on the Big East to get this championship like I don't buy that because I think that all those schools have agreed that they are going to commit resources and scheduling and all of that sort of into it you know maybe they're not going to get the one and done players and also that's not really Villanova's model anyway um, but you know, and, and let me, and let me also say this, like, I think had the big East schools decided to stick with the, um, you know, what is now the American athletic conference. Remember, they're the ones who split away. Yep. And I think if they had decided to stay with that big conference 
where they'd be in there, you know, now with, um, you know, UConn, Cincinnati, SMU, um, you know, Memphis and those schools, I think the same thing would have happened. Like, I don't think anything would have been different. I think, I think they're in, I think the conference they have now is a good conference. And I think if they had stayed, you know, with the American, that would have been a good conference too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that there are basketball programs um, that are more so I, I think Gonzaga is exactly the perfect example Wichita State um, you know under Greg Marshall like Gonzaga can do they can devote resources they can get guys they can guarantee you know you're going to play in the NCAA tournament they can contend they've gotten to lead eight you know I I'm with you I mean I think Villanova is Villanova Georgetown is Georgetown yeah. it doesn't matter what league they're in um, so I thought that was a weird kind of a strange storyline that emerged, but I, I will say, I mean, I think it's, it is good for the new big East. I mean, that is a big, big thing for them. And like you said, for, especially considering that maybe people have not been watching, um, maybe people, like you said, I, every time I watch Fox sports, when I do have to like scroll through the chain, I don't know it by heart. My, my TV defaults to ESPN, you know, like that's the channel that's usually on. So when I turn it on, it's on. You know, and, and the Big East, uh, like any other league, I mean, look, one team making a run to the championship is great, but the, the test over time is, you know, continuing to get, you know, a bunch of teams in the tournament and having them advance. Right. And, you know, the, the Big East overall has not done a good job advancing until Villanova this year. So, um, you know, that's something that, that – you know, we'll see if that changes or, or whatever, but no, I mean, look, Villanova's dominated that league. Yeah. Like they've been, they've been, you know, really, really, really good, uh, against those schools. And, and, you know, part of it, Georgetown is down right now. So, um, Xavier was, Xavier was pretty terrific this year. Yeah. But yeah, Seton Hall was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I just, to me, the the whole Big East thing, like it validated it somehow. Um, I mean, did you know? Did UConn winning it two two years ago validate the American? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that stuff lasts long. I think it's more about the programs than the leagues. No, I agree. I agree, and and I think, um, you know, we we can wrap this up soon. But you know, I just think Villanova does have a. You know, I learned a lot about their program um, and kind of the interconnectedness between different classes and and championship teams. And, you know, when I was talking to Jay and um, he's eating this, you know, burger, I've already gotten some tweets back about that people were concerned about the way he eats his burger without a bun. Um, but <laughs> he is talking. Is he on like the Atkins diet or maybe, something? Maybe. I mean, you know, you're eating at two in the morning. It's not the healthiest time to be uh to be eating (laughs) eating like crap but uh you know he was just saying that because of so much of you know when he got there 15 years ago and wanted to bring back players and you know have everyone be welcome etc etc and which is why these players all understood exactly what it would mean for to have you know for the 85 team for raleigh for for themselves etc to win a championship he wants his guys to be like the 85 guys. He wants them to be involved. He wants them to be kind of these ambassadors and face of the program. And, um, you know, so I, I'm just, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where Villanova goes from here. Um, you know, what expectations are like and what where Jay Wright is viewed as a coach. I mean, I think he's always been a great coach, but he had that underachieving in the tournament tag. So now now you lose that, you know, you, you gain a national championship. 
Um, kind of just curious to see how that all, you know, moves forward. But, um, Dan, I'll let you go unless you got any final thoughts on, on, on the game or anything. I mean, we're heading into uh, our off season. I'm going to sleep for the next week. So, you know, if you got anything, share it now or I'll be in a coma. No, I, I need either sleep or caffeine, one of the two. <laughs> I can't decide which, but uh, I'll have to uh, figure that I out. Would, you know, bit. you could do the caffeine nap. Like, you have a cup of coffee, take a nap, and then you feel better afterwards. I've heard about that, so uh, that may be the route. <laughs> all right. Well, Dan, thanks for joining me. And um, to all of our College Basketball Madness listeners, thank you so much for listening throughout this NCAA tournament, throughout the season. We really appreciate you. Um, and, again, please you know, subscribe on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. I'm sure we'll have occasional podcasts throughout the off season. So thanks so much, and I uh, hope everyone can uh, get some sleep or caffeine or whichever order you want to do that in. <laughs>